Welcome, welcome, friends, to another episode of the Stride Forward Show. I'm really excited to be bringing on Laura Acosta, who is an organic marketing maven. Laura specializes in building authority and nurturing inbound leads for personal and business brands alike, building up massive audiences across both LinkedIn and Instagram, as well as running her own agency. Laura was recently awarded the honor of being the number 12 LinkedIn creator in the entire world by the influencer marketing platform, Favicon. She uses crisp copy, her wittiness, and her charm to continuously build engaged communities for every brand she touches. In our conversation, we discuss a lot of things. One being overcoming some of the mental health struggles that can arise from social media. How Laura adapted her social media presence based on those struggles. We talk about LinkedIn strategies that drive engagement and generate leads. We also talk a little bit about higher education and how it impacts the world of marketing today, as well as how it might impact marketing in the future. This episode is packed full of valuable nuggets that will help anyone with their social media presence. Thanks for listening and on to the show. Laura, thank you so much for joining me. It's a great Saturday. The LinkedIn queen and organic marketing queen. Uh, this is going to be a good one. There's a lot I want to talk to you about. So before we get going too far, Laura, please like introduce yourself. Let everyone know kind of what you do and what you're all about. Um, so thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, basically, my name is Laura. I'm from Mexico, but I've been living in the UK. So if anyone gets confused at my accent... Is because I'm actually Mexican, but um, just pretend I just catfish to be British 24-7, so that's my thing. Um, I am a social media marketing agency owner. Uh, it's more personal branding, copywriting uh, on LinkedIn-based. So, yeah, I've kind of based my whole business now on this amazing platform that is LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you're crushing it. I mean, I remember seeing your name initially like months ago and then a couple of months after that, you were on the Favicon 200 list for worldwide LinkedIn creators. So like you grew so fast. And so that starts me off with actually like you have a LinkedIn playbook. Um, you know, you have this guide where you basically take people from zero to crushing it on LinkedIn and building their business. Like, uh, were you always planning on kind of going the LinkedIn route and focusing there kind of how did that unfold it was it just happened out of nowhere every time people ask me like what happened I'm like I literally couldn't tell you like the last year it's almost been it I've, I've been 11 11 months like for on LinkedIn for 11 months only um it feels like a lifetime now but it's only been 11 months and uh I actually just simply started LinkedIn because I needed a reference for university and I was like LinkedIn sucks bro like what the fuck is this um this like it was full of like oh i'm so happy to announce that i just got promoted i was unemployed i hated the app so i actually just deleted my account at the start at the start of the pandemic because i was unemployed and depressed and i was like i don't want to see i don't want to see anyone thriving while i'm depressed so i deleted it uh then i needed a reference for university did, remade a, a profile and i was like okay i'm gonna try and make this look nice um I was already in the marketing scene. I've been doing marketing for ages for like probably six, seven years. Um, just working as an intern on different companies, uh, just because it's just something I've always liked, but never saw a future in it. Just thought it was cool, cute. Um, and 
out of and like I was like I typed LinkedIn on YouTube, a Gary V keynote speech came up and I was like, Okay, I'll try this thing and like Gary V saying to use it on like Instagram. So I'm kinda good at Instagram. I had like twenty K followers on Instagram at the time, so I was like why not? I have nothing else to do. I was really bored during the pandemic. I was really lonely. I was uh, like, nothing else to do. So I was like, might as well. And then here we are. <laughs> yeah, it's like changed your whole life probably in just a matter of a few months, like the impact you've had on a ton of people as well. So what was the biggest difference like coming from Instagram to LinkedIn? Because on Instagram, you mostly focus around like lifting, um, bodybuilding, and then you came over to LinkedIn. I was like, okay, now I'm doing marketing over here. So was there like a major like pain point in like trying to tackle a new niche, so to speak? Or was did it just come natural from all your experience? I think that's a really good question. I think there's two sides to that question. It was more of like, um, for me personally, LinkedIn kind of changed how I viewed myself as a person. Um, on Instagram is very um, superficial like it's because it's like very photo driven very much aesthetics driven um, it was it kind of put me in a really bad headspace um, a lot of my content I was producing on Instagram it was basically just to appease the algorithm um, and just like make people laugh and like maybe it didn't make me laugh and I was like I remember seeing videos I filmed when I was going viral on, on Instagram all the time and I look at them now and I'm like, I was like, I look so happy, but I was actually so sad. And then going on LinkedIn and actually speaking about things that make me think and use my brain. Um, obviously on Instagram, you still use your brain, but like on, on LinkedIn, I was like speaking about like career, like marketing, something I was actually really, really passionate about. Like I'm doing a master's right now on digital marketing. So it's something that I generally find very stimulating for my brain. So um, it just made me change the way I perceive myself, not just from like a, a like physical perspective, but also like what, what I'm, all, I'm all about, like what I want to be perceived as rather than what I want people on Instagram to see me as. So that was the biggest difference for me. And that's probably why I stayed, I'm staying on LinkedIn over Instagram. Like I've ghosted my Instagram for the longest time now. I've already posted on there. Because um, on LinkedIn, I get more like satisfaction that at least I'm making some sort of a change or like a difference in someone's life that could make them money or like could make, could change the, their business a little bit, or help them promote themselves better. Um, yeah, basically that. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you touched on like the mental health aspect of Instagram because I was actually looking at several of your reels recently and... I remember there was a reel specifically where you posted, you know, you were answering the question, why have I stopped posting as much? Why have I started ghosting my LinkedIn? And then there was a whole bunch of like splash image of basically hate comments. And it's crazy that this is still like an under talked about topic, in my opinion, because the larger you get as a creator, like the more hate you get, even if all you're doing is spreading positivity and all you're doing is trying to spread love and help people and it still comes the internet can be brutal um so obviously you've navigated this um and it's something that never goes away but do you have like some go-to tips for what you've been doing yourself to kind of help not only just like maybe taking breaks and then focusing more on linkedin but just to continue kind of fighting that because it, it it's always going to happen to some extent you know 
I think I thanks for like noticing because that's like my favorite video I probably made. I look at it because I since that video I think I posted a six video since it's like still like on my grid like you can still see it so it just shows how much it actually affected me and it actually went on for about like a year and a half two years and when that I started getting that type of hate I just thought to myself how 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 the fuck have I spent six plus years building this account for in this community for it to do me like that like <laughs> how have I nurtured this audience so much with all my heart and all that giving you is love and dedication and I'm showing up every day trying to make you laugh trying to share my story trying to be vulnerable for the audience and then for them for them to just spit back at my face when I was at my lowest and I didn't even know it at the time I was still like trying to figure out what was wrong with me um which is awful going through like change publicly it's shit especially when you can't you actually don't know if you're depressed, uh, if it's a hormonal thing, why you're gaining weight. People telling me like, you, you're fat. And I was like, bitch, I know. <laughs> I fucking know, man. But like, I, I'm trying to figure out why. Like, and they're like, just go on a calorie deficit. And I'm like, it's not that, it's not, it's not that simple. And I'm trying to like, just understand like, how are people so <sighs> stupid sometimes? Um, <laughs> honestly, just, perplexes me and I was like I am so done trying to please these people and 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 be whatever they want me to be I don't want to be that I don't want to be in the fitness industry anymore like it hurt me it hurt me and if I go back it'll be just because I want to not because of the money not because of the influencing not because of like the sponsorships it's just because I like fitness the moment I tried to start monetizing my account I hated fitness I hated lifting everything went to shit so that's one part of how I dealt with it. I just realized this is something I want to keep to myself, like fitness. I, it's, it's my, it's my kind of like little thing that I want for myself. And I don't want to share it anymore. Like I don't want to share my body as much. I don't want to share my progress. I don't want to share anything because it hurt me. I gave it to you, hurt me. I'm not going to do it again. It's a big mistake from, from my part. So that's how I dealt with it. Just being honest with myself. And then... Talking to people, um, going to therapy almost, and deleting Instagram. I I delete Instagram like nearly every week out of my phone because as someone, if you're trying to deal with something and you're constantly being bombarded with more information, you're going to get confused and overwhelmed. And if you're already in a really like an anxious situation or you're feeling depressed, more seeing people online doing better than you is not going to help you seeing people online doing worse than you is also not going to help you and um, sharing how you feel as selfless as it is and as um we try to be vulnerable for our audiences it, it still won't help you because half the people are going to feel be like oh such a loser how people are going to be like uh like oh but no one's gonna help you so what the fuck is the point? Like, just go help yourself. I that, and that's the sad reality. Like, no one's gonna, no one's gonna do anything for you at the end of the day. You have to get out there and do it yourself. And the only way to do it is get off social media and look at yourself in the mirror and be like, I need to fix this. How do I fix this? And start building the answer. Yes. <laughs> no, it's, like, it's just like there's so much to it because there's a lot of nuance to it, and that's that's another reason like I've started 
the podcast, right? So I can actually talk with people about this like in more detail because even on LinkedIn, you know, you can only go so far and there's a lot of black and white and what a post will look like. Uh, you know, I don't have the perfect answer either. There is a quote I just like love on, on this topic. It's from Bruce Lee and it goes basically like this. I'll paraphrase a little bit, but it's basically like, you know, you are not put on this earth to like please anyone else. And just in the same sense that they're not put on this earth to abide by your standards. Um, and so it takes a lot of self-confidence and working through things to realize like the way your body looks, your accent, your, where you're from, like what you do, like ultimately no one else has any say on that and what makes you happy. Um, and so like trying to find that peace. And so for you, like keeping fitness to yourself, like helps you find that peace. So just find that peace, find something you can do that gets you away from it all, you know? Um, and so for you, that's like building your body, weightlifting, which is like the healthiest freaking habit you can have anyway. So kudos there. Cause Lord knows like, um, with me, like ramping up all of my content along with working and building side hustles, et cetera. Like one thing that immediately took a backseat for me was like my physical health, you know, cause we end up working a lot of hours. Um, I would love to see like, how do you balance that? Did you ever have a period where you're where your fitness like started to slip because you were like grind mode. Um, and then what got, what got you back into it? Yeah. Recently, um, since like my LinkedIn started blowing up, like from December properly, like my content had like a massive like upgrade. I think the quality has been a lot better. The style has been a lot better. So like working on that, like on LinkedIn itself, plus working on a business, they're very different. LinkedIn almost is like a part-time job for most of us that are like in the top 100, 200 uh, charts. And even people that aren't on it, it's, it you, you have to almost treat it as a full-time job. So I had that, LinkedIn and like perfecting LinkedIn style writing, uh, perfecting the engagement, perfecting the strategy, plus building the business, which is a whole different thing. Uh, systems, client management, Zoom calls, whatever. Plus I'm doing a full-time master's. Uh, so it was going to lectures, doing assignments, writing the opposite way that I would be writing a LinkedIn essay, like a LinkedIn post. So on LinkedIn, it's like direct, straight to the point, please shut up, As little, little words, more information. University essays are more words, little information, references, make a point some po at some point, but tell us everything, but don't, you know so it's just like i had like a massive like burnout moment in december um i was preparing for a competition in january for powerlifting um i had essays due like every like two weeks every every other week i had a million essays and managing a business for the first time like fully like operating it trying to do my best was trying to build a brand uh plus trying to be a normal 24 year old uh was a big moment where fitness kind of took the back seat but it was also at the front seat because i was preparing for this competition and it was just like okay what is going to give and i didn't want to give it give anything up because everything was a priority so uh sleep kind of just took the back seat and i wasn't sleeping i was sleeping like two hours living on monsters and sugar gummy bears and just like, yeah, just hustling the hustle. And 
I hated it. I actually lost a lot of hair. Like my hair started falling. I lost uh, like about four kilos from all the stress. But at that moment, I just finally felt like I made it. Uh, it sounds weird. And um, as someone that's like, struggled a lot with mental health and depression, I, I struggle finding a purpose a lot since I was like younger. So finally feeling like I'm doing something for me that I love. And I was like so happy, more than happy to endure the pain of the hustle mode that I was in. Uh, I'm so proud because like two years ago, I just wanted to be in bed sleeping. I hated everything. I had no, no, no concept of time. I had no concept of what success looked like. I had no concept of future. I didn't want to build anything. So to me, this hustle culture that I put myself in or whatever, this grind mode that is very unhealthy is way more healthier than me being in bed, depressed, watching TikToks and feeling sorry about for myself. So in hands, like, yeah, basically I did. Like, it's, it's, it, I, there's moments where I'm like, I don't think I can do this, but I'd rather have those moments than another one in bed where I don't want to wake up. Yeah, like having those, like, having something to build just like keeps you motivated like nothing else my big problem is like there's too much stuff i want to actually do like i'm like man i never want to die and grow old because i haven't done this business idea yet i haven't started this newsletter yet you know like for me it's like trying to stay focused on one thing but it, it makes it really really fun um i want to come back to like the beginning of linkedin like the linkedin playbook um and talk about that because obviously like you use linkedin to funnel like from what I can tell, like three major um, like forms of revenue, you have the LinkedIn playbook um, and then you have like, you know, you do one-to-one calls, coaching calls. And then also then you have obviously the bigger agency where you help businesses. So um, can we talk about like the highlights? Don't give away all the secrets of the LinkedIn playbook. It's a great resource. I'm actually going to link it in the show notes because it's great. Um, and I think you bought it. Can- Thank you. <laughs> I buy everything from everybody that I, I support. Like, if I'm going to invite me too, like, it's a problem. I, yeah, no, it's just, <laughs> I look at it like this. Like, if someone that's a creator is putting themselves out there, doing all this good for the world, and they release a low-ticket product, like, of course, I'm going to, yeah. number one, support them. And number two, like, everybody has these unique insights that are valuable, right? Like, it doesn't matter where you are in the journey. It doesn't matter if you're Favicon top 10. It doesn't matter if you're just starting. Like, you can learn something from somebody, right? Um, it's kind of how I see it. So um, so go through, in your own words, like, what are the highlights of the LinkedIn playbook? Like, what are you covering? What do you think are the most important parts of, like, getting started on LinkedIn? I think, uh, for me personally, the thing that people comment back on me the most is the engagement plan that's in it. And uh, just the... So the simpleness, like how simple it is to just start posting. Because um, everyone thinks that there's like this weird hack and like this really weird strategy that you should have to make it on LinkedIn. Because the the reality is that LinkedIn is actually quite simple. It's a quite very simple game. That doesn't mean it's an easy game. But um, when you lay out the foundations for someone for for them to kind of like okay. It's actually not that hard. I just actually just need to do the work. Uh, that's that's the that's the main highlight, and it teaches you how to how to engage, uh, what kind of content you need to post, uh, how you should be posting, people that you could like look up to as well, and just it's like an outline of what you should be doing. The most basic thing 
but it's very powerful to have. I think I would have liked having that playbook when I first started because the amount of hours I spent going through people's, crawling people's profiles to see what their strategy was. So they, they reach like 10K, 15K, 20K. I spent so much time stalking people. I, by now, I have a PhD in stalking. <laughs> no, like I do too. And I say this, like everyone that I know that has like, is like killing it on any platform, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever. Like they have gone in and looked at people within their niche, how they're killing it. And they go there and they like go back months and months and they go, okay, this is how they evolved. Okay. This is what they improved. This is what worked the best. And so I've done the same thing. Like I've looked at like list off any big creator on LinkedIn. I've probably gone through their entire profile, looked at, okay, this is their banner. This is what their headline is. This is their last 50 posts. Okay. This hook worked. This hook sucked like that kind of stuff. Oh, and so I'm right there with you. And so, yeah, that's basically what the playbook does is it takes all that work away because I promise you, we have all done it. <laughs> so if you're starting, look, the 25 euros is worth it. I'm going to just put it out like that. Like save yourself the time. <laughs> um, Thank you. But then like you, you have the coaching calls. Um, number one, congrats on your not pricing yourself too low. I see that all the time. I'm like $25 for an hour of coaching calls. Please guys, raise your prices. Oh. <laughs> I had to get. I had to be. I had to be told off like a million times because uh, um, it's so such a new thing. And even still, sometimes like I get on calls with people and they're like, "That's your price?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And they're like, "For LinkedIn coaching?" I had a call recently actually, and and the person was like quite surprised about the price, and I was like, "Okay." He's like, "I have experience doing this, this, and this, and it's like way more complex than LinkedIn." And I was like okay <laughs> i think it's uh it's something there's a big change coming with the internet and uh, how lucrative it can be but also like it's we're not it's it's our time that we're pricing it's also all the work that we're saving you rather than how much education we had on the subject how much university we've had behind the design like, it's not it's not about that anymore it's just like how to leverage time better and how i can give you all the tools that i've learned over the last 10, 11 months on how to do this, have them, instead of spending, again, all the time doing the research, that's it. And if you don't like it, if you don't like it, that's, that's fine, like, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, it is like adopting, adopting that mentality, where it's like, okay, someone else will buy from you, but don't, don't know where your price is, because instinctively, I don't know about you, I wanted to rate, like, lower my prices when my, the first person I, pitched my higher price, like higher ticket price, said no, because it was too expensive. Or I went automatically, I wanted to lower them. But you actually don't have to. Yeah, and I don't recommend people lower their prices ever. Um, and, and the reason being is because like you said, it's you're not really charging for the hour, you're charging for the dozens and dozens of hundreds of hours that you've spent like researching this and going through the months and months on LinkedIn, like that kind of stuff. Like that's really what you're charging for. So it's it's value pricing, not necessarily time-based pricing. Um, yeah. And so there's that. But what's the number one kind of question that you see repeating when you have these coaching calls? Like what's the one thing that's really giving people the ick? What's bothering them? What are you seeing? So a lot of them... I think my niche is like business, bu busy, busy business owners who don't have time for LinkedIn. 
and just breaking the news that in order to grow a community and an audience they have to spend some time in that because right now what i see is like community wins like no matter if you have 1k 2k 3k if you have an actively engaged community that cares about you you're winning because they're probably buying your product if you like if you launch a lower ticket medium ticket high ticket price uh high ticket uh offer they'll buy it if they're engaged if they're like in love with you and your brand and obviously a lot of other businesses say like oh okay you don't really need a bit like personal brand like amazon doesn't have a personal brand blah, blah, blah. but there are brands like if you want to succeed as a singular person you have to build this community that is obsessed with you and the only way to do it is to throw, to show your personality and it's just a way to getting people out of the um, like they my, the people that come to me they just don't know how to break the mold between what they thought marketing is and what it is it's becoming right now it's becoming more more chilled more like hey this is my personality and this is also my expertise um here's all my expertise that you probably can google but i explain them in a way that makes you want to stay that that's it like how how can you stand out in a sea of information and then teaching them that like hey you don't have to be all corporate you don't have to to use all this jargon that no one understands you don't need to write really long paragraphs of things that chat gpt could be writing for me right now no it's how you can teach me something so simply and in such an amazing way like we're having a conversation one-to-one that's that's basically it yeah I, I talk about that a good bit too. I mean, even today I put out. Yeah, I saw your tweet. Yeah, yeah. I, call, I, I say it's spicy for LinkedIn. It's not really spicy, but it's spicy in LinkedIn world. Um, I like to kind of like play at what brings in clients and what doesn't. Like that's kind of like my little unpopular opinion for, for LinkedIn. Oh, the self. It was the selfies, yeah, like, right? Yeah, the selfies. Which so we can talk about those too, and like the type of content that we see performed because there is really more nuance to it. Like selfies are do have their pluses right like they're great for growth they're great for putting your face like first and foremost which obviously is very important the personal connection um so it's not like i hate them entirely i just post about that because i know people are going to get riled up and that's a little bit funny um but you do have to balance like putting your face first but also building you know authority like um you want to be known for like your thought process and your skills more so than just like people over on Instagram where it's very shallow, right? Um, we've already covered that a little bit. So what's your take on the balance of like selfies, content, like the types of content? What's your take there? How do you feel about it? Um, I just, I, I'm just going to say one thing. I stopped posting selfies in December and December to all the way through April have been the months where I've multiplied my growth by like two, three X, four X almost. So uh, yeah, that's, that's my take. I think, um, <laughs> I don't know how to phrase it. This I know in a nice, like in a polite way without sounding condescending cause I don't want to sound like a bitch. Um, I think, <sighs> okay. The way I came into LinkedIn from Instagram is complete, has completely changed now. And the way to win LinkedIn is through valuable content that educates, inspires, or entertains, which are the basic pillars that everybody understands. What people do with selfies, though, is, hey, 
I'm pretty good looking. Um, I on Instagram just pick up a few likes, so went on on LinkedIn, and it like kind of like diminishes the content that you're actually focusing on. So when you're posting about, hey, this are uh, this is my marketing strategy, and then you put a selfie of yourself in the beach. What the fuck is that? Like, it's obviously going to it's it's, it's obviously going to get likes because you know there's a lot of people on LinkedIn that you know like would you say ask Instagram or instead of Instagram and if they see a really good looking girl or a really good looking guy they'll be like okay like he's fit like I don't know what he said don't really care but fit like this amazing then write a comment like this is amazing great post so maybe they'll post a selfie again and i like it like whatever and i did this mistake like i was trying to sort of cover my bad copywriting and my bad explanations of things with a photo because i always knew that it's it's guaranteed like if you post a, a photo of yourself engagement is going to be greater like impressions are going to be higher but that doesn't mean your content is good that just means the photo is interesting, people liked it, but you don't need a photo. And this is like an obsession I see everyone has. You don't need photos to make it on LinkedIn. Like there's people like Mark Barker, uh, copywriter, Jay Gord, SEO expert, um, Jasmine Alec, like all these people, Dina, Dina, uh, she's a woman and like she, she's like top woman in the, like, the world right now for LinkedIn personal branding. She's never posted a selfie. Yet she's in the highest, like, like you know, uh, rank for LinkedIn. Why? Because her content is really, really good, and it's actionable. It's it's easy to read. Uh, when you finish reading it, you're like, wow, I learned something today. Whereas when you're reading five steps, you no, know, five things I learned from the sideman's new uh, video in their marketing strategy, and you put a selfie of yourself. People aren't going to be like, wow, I just learned something like revolutionary that could actually help my business at scale. No. It's like, okay, good. Like for the Instagram vibes, but um, I didn't learn anything like revolutionary. So yeah, that's that's my take of selfies. And for me, I've not taken selfies for a while. I don't like them as much anymore, regardless. Um, I'm just focusing on my craft, figuring out copywriting, which I've actually learned to love. I was hiding on like behind the selfies to just not do the work do the reading, the <laughs> fucking trial and error. And then the moment I stopped talk- using selfies, I was like, oh shit, my content is actually really bad. Because I was posting the same content, but without the pictures. And then you learn, okay, I need to improve. And it's a, it's a hard lesson, because not everybody wants to know that they need to be better. So, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's my take. Yeah, ego um, often kills brands and businesses. <laughs> uh, you got to be able to take the feedback and, and talk to yourself and do the hard lessons. Um, no, that was spot on, from my opinion. Uh, I talk about that a lot, as you know. Um, so I'm glad I have someone else that will just say it for me. And I'll be like, well, Laura agrees. Go fight her instead. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, but- I, still, I still post photos, but they're not okay. selfies. And they're not out of context when I'm storytelling. I'll use photos for sure because it like helps uh, tell the story better if like they see my face. But I'm not gonna tell you five marketing strategies you could use and post a selfie with it. No, and uh, I use them sporadically. I like sprinkle them in. They're not they're part of my strategy, obviously, but they're photos rather than selfies that I just took. Um, and I'm using them every day. 
it's like it, it, it they're still necessary obviously everybody wants to like connect as part of like building a personal brand but it's not the whole thing and people need to understand that uh and improve their writing yeah uh it's it's about the core marketing fundamentals like i that's what i teach like and you can carry that to any platform the beauty of it is once you learn that type of stuff on one platform or for one platform those skills translate anywhere like you learn hooks you learn how to apply those to reels you learn how to apply those to blogs you learn how to apply those on tweets like it carries everywhere uh, which is the beauty of it and so that's why like those core foundations are always like what i teach like i don't believe in like algorithm hacks i don't believe in um studying the best time of day to post i'm not saying these things like don't necessarily exist but i'm also saying if you get the core right the rest will work out like just stick with it um definitely but the engagement like what i've been playing around with recently which seems to work effectively but it's still like newer as you mentioned you know people engage based on just like the visual or the text and so what i've started doing and what carousels obviously do for so many people is you apply the visuals and give people that but then you add more context to the actual post too so you get all these people that want to dive in click see more and actually read you have that there but your visual should also be like value packed and not just some random selfie um and so i've been playing around just like repurposing tweets but then adding more content context really recently um have you tried that at all or do you, are you just carousel queen and stick to it I think actually, yeah. Now that you mention it, I think I've replaced selfies with carousels. Yeah, <laughs> that's my strategy. It works. Carousels are what's trending right now on LinkedIn, and uh, there are if you if I if you think about the psychology of it, really, people like visuals, and if they're learning through visuals rather than having to read boring lines of text, when when instead you're giving them a really cool like guide where they can just like interactively slide through. They have it has different colors, different fonts, maybe some images. It just makes it better. And so I like carousels, and I've been trying a lot of tweet style uh, carousels as well, which I think are amazing. And it just it just shows what works. And visuals work, but they don't they don't need to be selfies. They they can be something very informative that helps people in the long run. And then they could pull out as a resource for um for their business. And that just makes you more of like an asset to them rather than just like something they like to look at, which is why I like it, like LinkedIn more than Instagram, actually, because at the end of the day, I'm being valuable to someone in a business way rather than like just a vanity way. Yeah. Um, no, visuals are a great way to learn. And there's just I, I mean, the really key takeaway from all of this is like the visuals just need to be relevant. And, yeah. and still add value and not just be something somebody can click like on. You do a great job of that. I mean, even your recent carousel on, you know, storytelling. So what I love about what I think the best performing carousels are, are the ones they obviously have the visual impact like people enjoy, but they're very much like, this is what I've done has led to like this desired result um, from my experience, but I'm teaching you at the same time, like the pros and cons. So you do a great job of that. And the storytelling one, um, because, I mean, I commented on it, you know, I said tip three, everybody needs that one right right there. Uh, but it's like, yeah, like, this is what has led to my LinkedIn growth. These are the storytelling tips I've used. So you have this nice visual, it, it flows, but then also people can take it and it's actionable. And so you mentioned Jake Ward earlier as well, like as someone um, that's 
a good copywriter, like his carousels are fire for that exact reason. Like, he's not he, even a copywriter. He does SEO. <laughs> oh, he just like, <laughs> but his carousels, like, if you haven't heard of Jake Ward, you can go look at his LinkedIn and you'll see like his carousels perform incredible because he basically just says like, this is my agency. This is how we do it. And it's incredibly actionable and he guides people all the way through. Um, and so for me, like that's ultimately like what the visuals need to come down to. They just need to add relevant context. And if they don't add relevant context, then don't post it. Um, but I'd love to like transcend and scale up to like your agency side and how you're using LinkedIn for that. So correct me if I'm wrong. I believe you focus solely on like service-based businesses and helping them with organic marketing. Um, so how has LinkedIn allowed you to like scale your business? How are you like in taking clients? Are you doing it through DMs? I know you have the type form page as well. So let's talk about kind of like from LinkedIn to your agency and that client work. Um, so I don't even have a website. I'm all, <laughs> I had a, I had a call yesterday with someone. He was like, I was looking at your website and I was like, I have a website. And it's like something I built like a year ago. I don't use it for like lead generation. So I think that's a, a really cool point to start with. Like you, when you're build, people build a brand, the, the first things they want to know is the brand logo, their website design, uh, and all these brand things that you, you think you need, but actually they're the last things you need. First, you need to get your first client. First, you need to know the systems that you want to apply and then focus on the rest. So all, all this, this whole year, I've been just focusing on that, the service and how to make it valuable over the, the branding aspect. So I've been using my LinkedIn basically as a landing page over using ClickFunnels or using anything else. I have Typeform as well, which I barely check because I am always uh, busy with like, I can't, I'm not massive agency. It's just like me and I have like freelancers coming in and out, but it's, I'm basically like a solopreneur um, agency and that's been working for me. I'm really enjoying it. I, I'm going to scale at some point, but right now, I'm just enjoying falling in love with the process, perfecting it all and building my audience uh, in the way I want without me being motivated by money, which is something I learned from Instagram. The moment I start mass massively monetizing something I'm loving is when I start losing love for it. And even if it's like a business, it's still, it's, it needs to work for me and the type of person I am. And it's been really hard learning that uh, in a sea full of 20 year olds making millions, uh, 20 year olds making six, seven figures, uh, blah, 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 all this uh, information that, you know, you see LinkedIn is also like the more um, academic validation type of Instagram where instead of seeing people doing yachts in Dubai and parties, you'll see people making six figures, like scaling up. Hey, I just scaled my second business. I'm only 21. So uh, fighting the, uh, I don't know, comparison between them and me has been hard. And it's something I had to like grain, like, like kind of like repeat to myself every day. Like this is, this is what you need, like slow, steady, enjoy it, fall in love with it, know what you're doing, know, know how to do it and then scale. So I'm in no rush. I'm just simply enjoying my clients, um, having real connections with them, uh, not really focusing on becoming the fastest growing agency in the UK or any, anywhere else in Mexico or where, wherever it is. Uh, that's how I'm doing it. And I'm, it's working well for me. And as well, 
I'm doing a master's. <laughs> so I think it will be stupid of me to try and be like, yes, I'm going to scale this shit, this shit out this agency. And I actually, no, I, I have to finish this. And um, everybody tells me, like, just drop out, just drop out. Just, but uh, I'm, I wanted to do this. And then the agency came up. So I'm going to, I'm trying to do both the best way I can. And right at the moment, we're sacrificing some growth. But if I'm, if I'm as good as I think I am, the growth will keep growing and I'm not rushing. And that's the reality of it. And I have to repeat myself this every day because it's really hard to not try and be like, no, I'm going to scale now. This person scaled today. I want to scale, 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 system, system, system. All these words that I never thought I'd be using, I am now using every day. <laughs> yeah, no, bootstrapped, I mean... wait a second, bootstrapped, um, investors, angel investors, um, CTC, uh, all these words. Ugh. So yeah, just simple, please. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Fanciness doesn't equal performance, like at all. Like you can go six figures and way beyond with uh, one simple landing page, one simple offer, and one or tight form. Like it doesn't take anything else. Like I'm glad you mentioned. Like people instantly rush to the fanciness. No, man, just like start landing one client figure out how to deliver one great experience for them. Okay, get a second one, do the same thing and you learn and you can templatize it as you go and then go from there, but you don't need all the extra browser muscles. I mean, I set up a specific LLC like just for my like creator business and out of the gate, I had nothing. I was just using a free card account and I started writing on Medium. Like I didn't start on LinkedIn, I started on Medium. I chose Medium because Medium pays you once you're a partner. So I bootstrapped the heck out of my creator business, basically. It was like, okay, I got the first medium paycheck. It was like $75. I was like, okay, yeah, fine. I'll use the $75. I built a landing page with $19. And then, okay, the next month I got like $120. So then it's like, okay, now I can get a whole website. And so I just basically little by little reinvested. I had no tools, nothing. Um, and so you just like scale up slowly and at your own pace. And like, that's all it takes. Um, and so it's just, it's been fun like to put myself in that constraints because I have to like also rework myself That's because I had yeah because yeah. like I also like I mean because I also work like a nine to five and so I could easily pull money from that and skip those steps but I feel if I skip those steps I'm actually like harming my client's experience in the future because if they're not able to skip those steps and like and they don't have all the capital right out of the gate like what does that look like um, and how can I help them like overcome that and so for me, it's also like, I need to go through that so I can better help people in the future, you know? Um, so that was like my little tangent there about like, just like this lifestyle design and it. learning along the way. Yeah. Um, but so I, I also like recently finished a master's. I finished it last year. Um, and so we obviously live in a time where you didn't have to do a master's if you didn't want to. Um, and obviously That's in some, yeah, in some online circles, people hate like, traditional education whereas i find value in both like self-educate and go the college route so what played into your decision to like get a master's even though technically you didn't need it i guess um but it's still beneficial right like i have one too like i love my experience so what was your process and like i want to get my master's even though stuff i learned is completely different than the online space like you know that kind of vibe like what led you to kind of wanting to do that do you want the bullshit answer or do you want the real answer? I want both answers. Give me the bullshit answer and the real answer. Um, the bullshit answer is like I really love academia. 
I just love it so much. I love research. I I really enjoyed doing my dissertation in my last year of university. And I just find it, I, I find a passion while this doing my undergrad degree. Okay. All right. Let's get the real shit now. I, I just honestly ego. Just my ego has gotten the best of me. I've always felt like at school, I was always underperforming. I was never smart. Um, academically smart. I was, I was. There's like two types of smart, types of smart, street smart and book smart. I was never book smart. I've always been street smart uh, in a way, and I never, I didn't get to my university of choice when I wanted to go to when I went to uni. So I was like, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna do it for that 18 year old self me that was crying and felt like she didn't belong in academia, that she wasn't smart enough, that she wouldn't get into one of the top universities in the UK. Went and applied, got in, here we are. I'm doing the work and while this building an audience, having a personal brand and doing all these things um, at the same time. Uh, Basically, it's like almost ego, but also just satisfying that urge that I had once to um just tell myself lie you've actually you're actually smart uh maybe the education system at the time where you were in when you were younger didn't show you that but right now you're doing it and you're doing it better than like a lot of people would have done it and you're doing all these things alongside it and you've grown so much from all these things and i'm proud of you basically that like it's just like a thing that i wanted for myself and for my family as well that have like you know see me like evolve into this person like i'm unrecognizable from like four years ago um i hated everything i hated school i wasn't doing well and now i'm like doing all these things and it was basically it's basically that honestly and it's it's a good thing like a master's didn't never had anyone and i'm learning some stuff i'm having fun and it's just like the title to have really yeah i can relate to the idea of like proving it to yourself too like I mean when I was like 18 19 or 20 like the idea of me having a master's degree was like not a reality it was like there's no way I'm smart enough to do that there's no way I'm gonna yeah. do that I won't even get it accepted and so like having it now I was like wow like I've come a long way it took a long time for me to get my shit together right but it's like, I came yes. a long way <laughs> um so yeah like I totally I totally I'm relate because yeah. when I say this, I'm like, do I sound delusional? Like, am I being stupid? But um, at the end of the day, we all do things that are meant to be good for us. Like, um, some things may not may may not make sense to others, and that's completely fine because that's not their life. That's your life. You can do whatever the fuck you want with it if you're not hurting anyone. So if we chose to do this degree that people find useless, and perhaps some some parts of it may be useless of of course like traditional education uh, in the state that we are right now in society is completely different and at the at the rate technology is growing uh with ai it's obviously like people can obviously be like why are you doing this but if you if it makes you happy fine do it like it's not happening anyone so yeah yeah and like, yeah, the other side for me is, I mean, I enjoy learning. Like, I, like, fully commit to live yeah. learning. So, like, that was, like, a huge Do part you of find team. that, did you find that that was um, a hard bit for you to, like, step into entrepreneurship? Because I found that I loved learning so much 
that I never wanted to do the application of the learning. So I became a entrepreneur for a really long time. I was an entrepreneur. I read 52 books in a week, all self-help, business improvement books. And I was like, hell yeah, I should be this like entrepreneur by now. <laughs> but the reality is you're better off reading one book and applying all of it than reading 52 books and not applying any of it. So did you struggle with that since you liked learning so much? No, because, um, and I say like, I totally could get that, but the reason it didn't do that for me is because like, I stepped into that needing to learn at the same time I was like completely at my lowest, um, with my career. And so I turned into like, basically I was working a job I hate. I like was crying at work in the stairwell, like stuff like that. Like it was terrible. And so I was like, okay, I have to figure out a way to like change my life and turn my life around. And so I immediately like started learning and started like freelancing like as soon as possible because I was in such a bad space with my job. Um, And so I then quit that job. So like, I remember the last time I cried at that job, it was Thanksgiving day, 2015. And I was like, okay, like that was like the moment, like, okay, like this can't continue. And so I quit that job a month later. And so I only had a month to like figure out my shit because I didn't have another plan. So I totally could see how I would have just learned and learned and learned and never acted. But like, I didn't really have much choice because of the position I was in. (laughs) So like, yes and no, basically. Um, But I totally get that. And uh, I didn't really dive so heavy into like the self-improvement space until like two or three, basically like two years later. Um, when all of my then problems again, the next like tough period of my life, it was all personal based. Like I had begun figuring out where I wanted to take my career and what I wanted to do. I had all this business knowledge now and all this freelancing experience. So now it's like, okay, I have problems with like my relationship and my lifestyle. And so I figured out one, but I didn't figure out the other. And so I had to go through a whole nother journey. Like um, I've been open about like, you know, like I got married at a really young age. Um, there was nothing like wrong with like, like our divorce and everything was totally amicable, but at the same time, it wasn't the right fit for either one of us. And so our lifestyles just like didn't mesh after, um, you know, as we got older, basically we were growing independently is what I would say, as opposed to growing together, if that makes sense. Um, but still navigating that was like, you know, a tough thing to overcome. Um, Obviously, yeah. and so I've gone through like the career struggle and I've gone through the personal and relationship struggle. And so now it's like everything I do, I try to like, all right, how does this career move affect my personal life? Okay. How does this personal move affect my career? So it's like, I like to try and design the life with both of them in mind all the time. So. That's why everybody says, yeah, Yeah, that's why, like, I think it's good to uh, go through all of these things, uh, honestly, especially the young, uh, a young age, because then you're prepared for the future. I went through a lot of things like that, a really young age, and I think now I'm 25 and I feel great, but I have to go through, like, 18 to 23, like, absolutely mess, everything was going wrong. Uh, for me to become like a really, you know, it is what it is type of person and like this is how we're going to deal with it now. It kind of like makes you grow up really quickly. So I think it's good. Yeah. Um, no, totally. And like it's something to always keep in mind. And and that's the reason like these people that have gone through it, like we all end up saying that same thing, <laughs> you know, like, um, 
It's good for the plot. Yeah, it, it's great for the plot. You got the story to share. When you share your story, everybody's like, hell yeah, good job. And then they click follow. Yeah, and that's, that's, I love how it. You, that's how you get Fabulous on top 200, you know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so, all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Last, uh, last topic before we head out, because I'm curious to know, like, your thoughts on this, like, you know, with your education and obviously your experience. Um, you know, marketing has changed a ton in recent years. Like, without a doubt, it's so much more organic. There's so much more UDC content. That's the kind of content that resonates and connects with people. Um, I personally find that with all these changes, like the Gen Z crowd is going to come in and has already disrupted everything and they will continue to do so because they're basically like social media. They're the first generation where social media has been a part of their life forever. Um, And so it's like ingrained in their brain, you know, like they're very talented when it comes to like anything organic marketing naturally. Um, So where do you see marketing kind of go moving forward? What disruptions do you see um, might come either through AI tools or content itself? Like, what do you think the future of marketing is kind of like looking like? Where do you think it's heading? I think it, that's a really hard question to answer because even if you can, if I, if you ask me like what's going to happen in one week, I don't know. Like since seeing all this chat GPT things going on and like how the advancements in it weekly, I actually don't know what what the hell is going on. I just know from what I've seen that people like businesses have to grow out of that idea that they have to be selling constantly to make a sale on social media. They need to realize that because a lot of like it seems like very obvious to me and you, but you there's so many brands still on TikTok and Instagram that they're trying to just promote their products. Uh, I saw this. I think it was IKEA. Uh, no, Home Depot in TikTok, where one TikTok went viral and the other one had like zero views at all. One of them was literally showing off their mirrors and they're, they're hey, this are our mirrors and they're like 50% discount. Then there was the other video that went viral and it was like guys playing with equipment, making music. That one went viral. And I think that's a, that's a really good concept for people to see like, hey, you can still, like the only way to grow on social media and to make an impact is through stop trying to promote your product so much, actually try to give them something, like entertain them, educate them, uh, inspire them. That's the way. It's like the, the pillars have been there for so long, but people aren't still like understanding how to use them for their brands. So wherever AI goes, wherever uh, technology goes, the main concept is people first selling, where you need to connect with your audience rather than just bombard them with a cold pitch or a a product or like telling them that they need to buy this no make them want to buy it um like like um without them knowing that they're you're trying to get like get them to buy them buy it so make them like it make them want to get jealous that someone else has it not you like the Kendall Jenner example they sent a, a brand sent a bunch of bikinis to her to their friends except Kendall Jenner Kendall Jenner got jealous because she didn't get the bikinis, but all her friends did. She reached out to the brand and she they got a, a like cheaper brand deal than they would have had if they reached out to her directly. So it's just like, it's like marketing is a lot of manipulation, yes. And you just need to know how, how, need to know how to play it. And I think that's the future of marketing, just simply understanding basic human psychology rather than this is the product, buy it, no. And... A lot, of, a lot of brands are still doing that. It's really, I'm like, 
but some, but some that's a bit embarrassing. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, that's my answer. I think, uh, regardless of AI, um, it, AI is going to enhance people that are really good at their job, and they're going it's going to enhance people that are bad at their job, and we're going we're just going to see a difference massively. Yeah. Um, no, I'm totally with you. Like, it's about relationships. It's about building trust, and then allowing that trust to get inbound leads instead of like outreaching like not that outreaching can't be effective i mean i've done cold calling i've done all of that stuff um but at the end of the day like also that's not the energy i'm chasing i don't want to do that anymore like i'm kind of over it i'm like let's just if we vibe reach out if we don't like whatever you know <laughs> um so I think then that's a, that's a really cool thing about the internet though like uh, it's allowed people that naturally hate that sort of um straightforward approach cold calling style to sell based on who they are rather than the product itself um and it's i think it's really cool uh because i hate cold calls i worked in in marketing sales for a bit and it was probably the most traumatizing time of my life um trying to sell people something i hated or didn't use was very much character development and i hated it <laughs> i'm so thankful for the internet <laughs> yeah uh it's changed the game in the best way possible and like yeah. that's why i cannot recommend enough like get started making content build your brand so you don't have to go through all those traumatic experiences that we've gone through. We've know? already gone through them for you. <laughs> Just listen to us. Build listen a business. Build a brand on LinkedIn. Avoid getting traumatized. Avoid getting rejected <laughs> by a million people. Just build a brand. You don't know they're rejecting you. Uh, you just see the likes. It's all positive, no negative. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> spot on there okay laura before we finish up uh, i want to give you one last chance like where can everyone find you on social um and how can you help them again just give us the recap yeah so find me on linkedin uh in slash lara costa r um, i post very helpful marketing advice that i would have liked knowing when i was younger and also help ceos brands uh build their personal brands on linkedin awesome laura thank you so much for joining this was great, and we'll see everybody else in the next episode. Thank you so much for having me.